All right. Good morning, everybody. Just by a show of hands, how many of you have ever really wanted to do that with your alarm clock? Anybody? Or maybe your phone, right? Don't do it with your phone, uh, by the way. But uh, our good friend Phil Connors has a case of the winter blues, uh, to say the least. Uh, if you're new today, again, welcome. We're so glad uh, that you're here. Good morning. Uh, I, I don't think it's too early to play a clip from Groundhog Day, if you haven't seen that movie before. Some people say you can't watch Groundhog Day on any other day but Groundhog Day. But given the weather today, right, and finally some snow out there, I thought that it was appropriate that maybe that was some of you that you didn't quite want to get up and move in uh, this morning, The kind of the first big snow of the year. Has anybody noticed this is the time of year where it feels like we get about three hours of sunlight during the day? Does anybody feel like that? It's, it's going to be cold, it's going to be dark, and it's going to last the rest of our lives, it feels like. It's that point, it's kind of midway, a third of the way through the winter, and it just feels like that was an appropriate way to start today. And maybe some of you can identify uh, with Bill Murray's character there in the movie. He's just living the same day over and over, and at this point of the winter, sometimes it's easy to feel that way, isn't it? I don't know if anybody, is anybody tired today? Anybody a little tired? It's okay to be tired. Anybody a little stressed out? Anybody a little overwhelmed, right? So you can kind of identify uh, with Bill Murray there uh, in that movie. I can't tell you how many conversations that I've had recently with people that are saying, you know, I'm just kind of a little numb to life right now. I'm just kind of a little burned out. I mean, I just feel kind of like I'm going through the motions every day. And maybe you kind of feel like if you watch the rest of the movie, you know, he's living the same day over and over. You get up in the morning, you'd rather not. You, you sludge to your coffee, you know, you make the coffee, you get up, you get the kids to school, you go to work, you come home. It's already dark, right? It's the same day over and over. And sometimes life gets that way. Sometimes it's easy to feel like we're kind of numb to life and we're going through the motions. And so whether you've ever wanted to do that to your alarm clock or not, I think that all of us, it's safe to say, could use some refreshment. Amen? We could all use a little refreshment. I know because you answered, amen, right? The 915 service, right? We could all use a little rest. We could all use a little jolt. We could all use a little pick-me-up and some refreshment. And there's really, really good news for us today. The book of Acts talks about this in Acts chapter 3. So in your, I've had plenty of coffee, I've had my breakfast, big, booming 915 voices. Let's read Acts chapter 3 nice and loud together. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I don't know, I don't know, but I think when that was spoken, when that was written down in the canon of the Bible, it was meant for the middle of January in Iowa. I really think that that's what it was meant for, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Some of you are maybe longing for spring. You're longing for summer right now, but we know it's going to last a little bit longer. But we can experience that refreshing right now here today. Jesus says not only is it, is it uh, you're able to be refreshed physically, but in your soul. And I'll tell you how, Jesus says, it's by coming back to me. Repent literally means to turn around and go the other direction. If your life is headed in a certain direction this morning, repentance means we literally turn around and start walking the other way. We get reconnected with God. That's where the refreshing comes, when you get reconnected with the God who created you. And you can experience that even in the middle of January, that refreshment. And we're going to use that word a lot today, and you know, depending on who you ask, it can mean different things. And so we're going to uh, kind of 
put our heads together and get to know each other at the same time uh, a little bit this morning. So in a second, I'm going to have you turn to somebody next to you. And for those of you that are just raging introverts like me and would just like, oh, lots of people are overwhelming, it's going to be okay. Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You're going to do this, okay? We're one of those weird churches where you come and you like talk to people around you. I know it's a little weird, right? It's a little weird since you're in rows, but I'm going to challenge you to not just talk to the person that's next to you that you maybe came with, but find somebody behind you or in front of you, somebody that you don't know. And here's the question just for a minute, okay? It'll be pain, pain, uh, pain free, okay? For one minute, I want you to think about what would you do if you could do anything to get refreshed, okay? You have like three or four days uh, money is no limit, travel's no limit, distance is no limit, childcare is no limit, okay? There's no limits on this, and you need to get refreshed, and you could do anything that you want. What would you do, okay? What would you do? Turn to one person next to you and tell each other what you would do to get refreshed. Go for it. All right. All right, let's bring it back, folks. We are going to do a sermon today, by the way. You're a chatty group this morning. So I saw some of you go, I don't know, but that, right? <laughs> that. I don't know where that is, but anywhere but that. That's actually the site of our New Hope campus. Hope Jamaica uh, is up there this morning, so that's exciting. No, I'm, chances are some of you are thinking big. You're like, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to go to a destination, somewhere warm with unlimited everything, right? How many of you just, I'm just going to sleep in and stay in bed all day. Does that sound really good, right? Sleeping in, right? Whatever it is, maybe curling up uh, with one of your favorite books, maybe a trip or a getaway. So put yourself, whatever you just imagined, okay? Put yourself there for a second, okay? Just imagine yourself there, okay? Now that feeling, oh, right? That feeling of being completely refreshed and rejuvenated, okay? That's what Jesus wants to do in your soul. That's what Jesus wants to do in your heart. I'm not talking just about, it's great to be physically, emotionally, mentally refreshed. That's great. And that lasts for a few days, right? That lasts for a few weeks. But Jesus says, I want you to be filled up in 2019. I want you to be refreshed this year. And the difference, Jesus says, between there's nothing wrong with any of those things. I hope you get to do those things at some point. But the difference between that type of refreshment that you just thought of and the refreshment that Jesus is offering, Jesus says, is that mine lasts. Mine doesn't come for a little bit and you get this high and then you're gone. No, 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 no. Jesus says, mine's going to last. It's going to last forever. Jesus says, mine won't wear off after Christmas vacation when nobody wants to go back to school or work right? That feeling, it, it, it'll last. Or maybe when you return from a trip and you're like, oh man, that was so good. Jesus says, mine will last. And the best part is Jesus says, my type of refreshment for your heart, from the inside out, you can experience it right now. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to, to, to spend any money. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. And that's exactly what the prophet Isaiah promised long, long ago about what this Messiah, this Jesus would bring. So if you have your Bibles, if you have a Bible like this, open them up. Or if you brought your own, Isaiah chapter 55. We're going to start in the Old Testament today, uh, which is in the first half of your Bible. So if you're new to the Bible, open it up. These are free in the back, these Bibles uh, for you, and we'd love to, to give one to you. So Isaiah chapter 55, it's on page 560, if you're in this Bible. Page 560 is where we're going to start today. So to give you some context, the prophet Isaiah is speaking to God's people, the Israelites, and at this time, they are in exile. They are in a land not their own, and they have been captured by the Babylonians, okay? They're in captivity. 
okay? You are captured, and they're far away from home. And the reason I chose to start here this morning is most likely they're empty, they're worn out, (laughs) they need some refreshing, they're exhausted. And maybe some of us can identify. And right in the middle of their circumstances, God speaks. And notice God doesn't say, escape your circumstances or get back to the ideal situation that you think you need in your life to be happy, to have joy, to have refreshment. Right in the middle of their unideal circumstances, God speaks. And through the prophet Isaiah, he says this, come all you who are thirsty, all come to... All you are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Some of you are like, eat and drink for free? Sign me up for that, right? I don't know about that, right? Tell me more. But did you catch the incredible promise right there? God says, refreshment is available to you today. And it's important to know in the Old Testament prophets, they use different analogies to speak about life Uh, with God, with Yahweh at the time, and then what life will be like with the promised Messiah. And one of those analogies is water, right? Life-giving water. When Moses led the people through the Red Sea, it was through the water that they moved from slavery to freedom. You could say to new life. That's what we talk about baptism. We go under the water and die to ourselves and come up and experience new life. And so when he's talking about the water, come to the waters, okay, It's the life-giving water of God that Isaiah is speaking about here, and it's free. And not only does Isaiah tell us where to find this refreshment in Jesus, he says looking for it anywhere else in your life is hopeless, is futile. Look at verse 2, if you're following along in chapter 55. Why spend money on what is not bread? And what he means there is that bread is that just that idea of, like Jesus says, your daily bread. It's because bread fills you up, right? It's not candy. It's not pop, okay? Bread is satisfying. It fills you up. Why spend your money on things that won't fill you up? Why spend your money on what is not bread and labor on what does not satisfy? Why work your tail off for something that you think is going to bring you life, but it's not going to fill you up? In other words, if you're looking for refreshment, it's not going to come by trying to find life in your hobbies, As fun and innocent as they are, you're not going to find refreshment by wasting time all night online or in front of Netflix. Don't get me wrong. I do that, and it's fun for a while, okay? But what I'm talking about this morning is there's a difference between vegging and getting refreshed. Vegging just sort of like numbs the pain, (laughs) numbs the tiredness, and you're no more rejuvenated and refreshed than after you veg. I'm talking about refreshment, where you get filled up by the living water of Jesus. And regardless of the circumstances of your life, you can walk into every single day with peace and with joy. That's what I'm talking about. That's the difference between refreshment and veg. Vegging just sort of numbs your pain for a while. And we turn to all sorts of things for that. You're not going to find refreshment for your soul with your addiction to whatever's in the fridge. You're not going to find refreshment for your soul in the bottle. You're not going to find refreshment for your soul in a man or a woman or what they think of you or even the person that you're married to. They can refresh you, but not in the way that God can, that only he can. You're not going to find refreshment for your soul anywhere else but by coming to the living water, to Jesus himself. Living water. Not just by standing there and looking at it, but like the point of water is to jump in, right? 
It's to dive in. It's to be refreshed, not just to skim the surface or looking at it. In other words, to go all in with Jesus. Reminds me of several months ago, uh, our family was gifted kind of uh, on the spur of the moment this trip uh, to South Carolina and a place to stay uh, for a few days. And so we went. And the cool thing about this is that my wife and I had been to uh, the oceans before, but our kids, three and five, had never been. And so maybe those of you with kids or uh, grown kids can remember the first time that they experienced something like this or the mountains or the ocean. And so you kind of start your joy as a parent comes through seeing your kids experience the ocean for the first time. And so uh, this was definitely refreshing for sure. But one of the joys was seeing them experience that for the first time. So we drove up and we didn't exactly know how close we were to the ocean, but we'd literally just come from the airport. So we had everything on and we weren't expecting to see the ocean. And then Tiffany and I saw it first. He was like, oh, it's right there. Like the Atlantic Ocean, I'm used to like hotels and you have to get through all the gates and everything. Oh, it's just right there. Public beach access right there. And our kids hadn't seen it. And so we got them out of the car. You know, we got, got them all loaded up. They got their floaties and their flip-flops and everything and their hats. And we're kind of walking up there. And just the look on Caleb's face, our five-year-old, when he saw the ocean, he just went, wow! I'm like, kids, there's the ocean. And they just take off sprinting ahead of us right towards the ocean. I, I don't even know how close it was, but they just started running. It was like a hundred yards, a dead sprint the whole way. And they are so stoked. Now, before we get to the ocean, keep in mind that these are the same two children that get pumped about bubble baths, okay? So that's a big deal if we can take an Elmo bubble bath or something. We are that close to the Atlantic Ocean. They run, they're sprinting up to it, and they get right to the water's edge, and I kid you not, they stop. We have flown across the country. We have scheduled this all out. We finally found the beach, and they get right to the water's edge, and they stop, and almost in unison, they turn around and look at us shivering, going, it's too big. It's too scary, right? And we're just sitting there going, oh my word, are you kidding me? Is it going to be this way? The whole, we're here for four days, right? We came for this moment. I didn't fly across the country for us to dip our toes in the water with our floaties on. Come on, people, right? And so I'm like, oh, what are we going to do? And they're freaking out. And so I finally have this idea. I take my towel off and throw my sandals off and I just go jump in. You know, in the ocean, you kind of got to let it do its thing. Like if you try to fight against it, you're just going to get blown back. And so I just jump in and I let the waves take me. And then Caleb goes, whoa, that's so cool. Like he wanted to be a part of that. And that was kind of the, the, the thing that got him going. And then they just jumped in and they had an amazing time the next four days. Because the reality is the ocean was not meant to be looked at. It was meant to be experienced, right? The water is not something that's meant to be analyzed. It's meant to be jumped in, to go all in. And it's same with the life-giving water of Jesus Christ. That's what we were created for. Do you want to be refreshed? Do you want to find a life of purpose? Do you want to stop being numb? Do you want to stop being apathetic towards life? Do you want to find that refreshment every single day? Take your floaties off and jump in the water. Take your floaties off and go all in with Jesus, not once a week for an hour. That's going to give you a little boost. And then life is just kind of going to pull it out of you again. You can experience this refreshment every single day. In fact, that's exactly what the Apostle Peter's encouragement was to the people in our scripture reading today. So if you have your Bibles, flip back now to the New Testament, to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 is where our reading is today. Acts chapter 2. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to follow along. You remember we just kicked off this series Last week at all of our campuses, 12 
books in 12 months. It's our theme for the whole year. And so the month of January, we're going through the book of Acts. And when we arrive on the scene, there is no such thing as the church yet. It doesn't exist. All we know is that there is this man named Jesus who came, he lived, he predicted his own death and resurrection, he rose again, he ascends into heaven, and in his place he sends a counselor, he says, my presence to live inside of you, the Holy Spirit. And so here's Peter, one of his followers, and he starts preaching to a bunch of non-believers. I'm sure what was a good 20-minute or less Lutheran sermon, Peter lays out the gospel for them, right? And he essentially says, Jesus is alive! Like, he's not dead anymore. He's not one of those, those heroes that came along and those rebellions that spurred up against the Romans. No, no, no. He died for our sins, taking it to the grave, and then he rose again. And now listen to how the people respond in verse 37. It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what must we do? How awesome is that? Don't you love that response? This is a really, really challenging sermon that Peter just gave, okay? I, sometimes I get a little hard on you, okay? Not like Peter difficulty level here. He just, if you read the sermon, read the rest of Acts chapter 2. Ba Peter basically stands up in front of a group of about 3,000 people and says, you guys killed Jesus. It's your fault. You did it, you dirty, rotten sinners, right? What if that was the message every week here, right? I'm sure we just grow a lot as a church, right? <laughs> but that's what Peter says, right? And they are so convicted. You can tell it has nothing to do with Peter. It is the power of the Holy Spirit working through him. And these people realize, like, yes, we need to turn our lives around. They didn't say, oh, great story, Peter, but I don't have time to get serious about Jesus right now. Or, you know, cute speech, Peter, but let me think about it, right? No, people, it says they were cut to the heart. Have you ever experienced something so powerful or so convicting that it demands action? You ever heard a message or heard God speak to you during worship? Or you've been reading your Bible or in your small group that you heard a speech or maybe you were so moved by a cause and you just had to act. The different things that you support financially or that you give your time to, the different causes that you give your time to, that's Acts chapter 2. It's like standing by the ocean and being like, oh, it looks nice. I'm just going to look at it. That is not what happens here. Their response is, what shall we do? They're open. Is that how you respond when you hear the word of God? When you're reading the Bible, is it like, hmm, that's cute, Jesus. That's some things to think about. Or do you say, what am I going to do about it this week? This is such good news. This is life-changing news. How am I going to apply that this week? What must I do? They respond. And Peter responds, repent and be baptized. And I want you to notice here, baptism is not some like optional afterthought. It is an absolute no-brainer. It is an outward expression of an inward reality. They go together. Repenting, coming back to God and baptism, I like to tell people it's like peanut butter and jelly. Why in the world would you just have one, okay? They go together, okay, for all you weird people that just like peanut butter. It was meant to go with jelly, okay? Coming back to God, repentance was meant to go with baptism. They go hand in hand. So repent, turn back to God, and be baptized. Peter says, don't just believe the message that I'm telling you. Act on it. 
And they did. And look in verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The first and probably largest new member class in church history. Right there. 3,000 people, right? Now, it wasn't 3,000, but last week, speaking of new member classes, I am so excited. We had 37 new members join Hope Des Moines last weekend. So praise God for that. That is awesome. Praise God for you. That's awesome. So if that's you, welcome. And our next new member class, we're going to shoot for 3,000. That's what we're going to go for. I don't know where we're going to put them all, but that's our goal. So if you see anybody new around, uh, welcome them. So this message of Jesus goes out in Acts 2, and the response is, we have to do something. We have to respond. And last week, we talked about the importance of reading the Bible every single day. And the reality is, when we read the Bible, it's almost like we can respond in one or two ways. When you read the Bible, or when you hear a sermon about Scripture, or you hear somebody else read it, or in your small group, we have two responses. One is to hear it, to go, huh, good thoughts, God. Hmm, I'll consider that. Or, as the Bible says, the second response is to hear and obey. To hear and obey. James talks about it this way, straightforward. James chapter 1, verse 22. Let's read this together up on the screen. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Which is exactly what we see the early church do here in Acts chapter 2. They don't go, oh, I got baptized. That was an amazing emotional high. Okay, back to normal life. No, they, their lives have been changed. And so their lives look completely Different. And in verses 42, if you continue reading on in your Bibles, verses 42 through 47, they start living out this new way of being. They, they go all in. They were devoted to reading scripture and prayer and meeting together and serving those in need and worshiping together and in small groups and blessing their neighbors. Why? Because that's what they'd seen Jesus do. It was that simple. Being a part of a church meant we follow this man named Jesus, and whatever he does, we do it. And it might make you change your priorities. It might make you feel uncomfortable. It might make you rearrange some things. But it's following Jesus. That's what we do. There's, it, it's, it's, some people think that following Jesus or Christianity is about some sort of you know, mental ascent to, I have these new beliefs now that I hold out here, and I'm just going to kind of tack Jesus on to whatever direction I'm going but just keep living life the same way. No, repent means I'm going to turn around and completely change what I was doing before and start to live a whole new way. But the danger is, is that you and I, have sometimes we develop this view of Christianity where we can follow Jesus, but not actually do what he says. Just a show of hands quick, how many of you remember playing Follow the Leader growing up? Remember that game, Follow the Leader at Recess, right? If not, where were you? I don't know, but... Uh, <laughs> It's pretty simple, right? The leader says, hop up and down, and what do you do? You hop up and down, right? The leader says, flap your wings. What do you do? You flap your wings, right? You do whatever the leader says. But it's weird because sometimes in church, follow the Jesus doesn't go that way. We often sit back and we, you know, the leader says, Jesus says something, or the leader says, flap your wings, and we sit back and say, you know what? I think I'm just, I'm going to flap my wings in my heart. I'm more of a private Christian. So I'm just going to kind of do flap my wings privately. I'm going to pray and we're going to pray together as a family and see if this is a good season for flapping for us right now, right? Because it's just not a good season for us right now, right? I just had this thought this week. What if, 
What if in our small groups and all the groups that you're in, when you read the Bible, you got together as a small group and you read whatever you read that week and then you just shut the Bible and you're like, okay, let's go do it. And we're not actually going to meet again for Bible study until we are a Bible doing. Not just Bible studies, but Bible doings. So, so we read this week, let's see, Jesus says, what does he say? Uh, love your neighbors as you love yourself. We're actually going to go do that to our literal neighbors. We're going to go love them the way that God loves them. We're, we're going to go do that. Okay, uh, we're going to get together. Okay, we did that. Now we're going to get together for small group again. Um, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Oh, Jesus, that's hard. So I'm going to think of the person that I love to hate. I'm going to think of the person that annoys me the most on Facebook and has completely opposite political beliefs that I do. And I'm going to pray for them. Not because it's easy, but because that's what Jesus says to do, right? What if we actually did that? Instead of, I got my Bible study done, I crossed off the list, I checked the mark, right? No, the point of reading the Bible is to do the Bible, right? Make sure that there's application in your studies. Follow the leader, follow the Jesus. Simon says, anybody remember Simon says, right? But we kind of twist that up as well. We do the same thing. We think Jesus says is like, you know, forgive those who have hurt you. Oh, I'm just, it's easier to be bitter. I'd rather just avoid it and be bitter and just carry that. No, Jesus says, give generously the first 10% of your money back to God. And often we think, you know, I'll just, I'll just memorize it, right? I'll, I'll just study it. I'll just analyze it, right? I'll learn it in the Greek, Right? No, the point of the Bible is to experience. It is to do it. Think about parents, those of you with young kids, maybe you've had this scenario actually play out. You go to your children and say, kids, you have one hour. Go clean your room right now, okay? Now imagine they run away and they disappear and they come back in an hour and they go, mom and dad, I memorized what you said. Studied it. I analyzed it. I memorized it. Go and clean your room. Isn't that amazing? I memorized it. Actually, we got, I, got, I, I called some friends over, and we got together, and we studied. We did a little study in a small group, and we get together every Monday night at 7 o'clock, and we did a little study about what it would look like if we actually cleaned our room. We're not actually going to do it. No, no, no. We're, we're not actually going to learn how to pray. We're not actually going to learn how to, to tell our friends about Jesus and love our neighbors. We're just going to study it. We're just going to analyze it. Actually, you know what? I know how to say, go clean your room in the Greek. Okay, it's amazing. I'm a biblical... No, right? That's not the point. The point, don't just listen to the word. Do what it says. Have you ever been cut to the heart? When you read the Bible, is it good advice to consider or is it the living word of God? God can speak in a lot of different ways. I remember distinctly, it was about six or seven years ago, back when we were worshiping at Hubble, and we were singing a worship song and I don't remember exactly the words, but something about it, Jesus, I want to be your hands and I want to be your feet. And we're worshiping in the gym of this elementary school where just three or four days before I was sitting in the principal's office. There's more to the story. <laughs> I was sitting in the principal's office and we had gone there with a member of our missions team and we went and we asked the principal, what do you need? Like, we're here worshiping in your school every week. Like, what do you need? And without missing a beat, I thought he'd be like, we need more school supplies or help clean the school. And without missing a beat, the principal at the time, he said, over half the kids in this school and more, way, the percentage is way higher in the greater Des Moines school district, do not have a father in the home. We are desperate for male mentors. 
And so right after that, we started a mentoring program, after-school program at Hubble and over lunch hour and, and during recess. And then we continued that here in our partnership with WizKids and Freedom for Youth Ministries. And this is our fourth year that we've been doing that. But I, yeah, praise God. It's awesome. It's so cool. But here's the thing. That moment for me was like, I can't continue to raise my hands and sing these songs week after week knowing what I know. The, the needs of these kids. I'm not just going to stand here and go through the motions and worship when I know that God has called us as a church to do something about it. It is not okay that that exists in a neighborhood where a healthy, growing church is. That is not okay, and we're going to do something about it. I was cut to the heart, and I pray that that can be a regular thing for you, that we're cut to the heart. That's why this training is happening this Thursday, is we're kind of re-upping and some volunteers and getting more people involved with that. And you can ask the volunteers, I hear from them all the time, yes, it is a commitment, but it is refreshing. It is refreshing, because the refreshing doesn't come from analyzing the water, it comes from jumping in. And so when we read the Bible, we're constantly asking ourselves, what needs to change in my life because of it? Where do I need to repent? And now that throws some of you off. Some of you are like, John, I didn't get out of bed on a snowy day to come here and tell you, have you tell me that I need to repent. Repentance is like for evil people, right? Repentance is like, that's a thing that like these terrible godless people do that do terrible things, right? Go back to the story. We've kind of got this all wrong. Look at verse 39 of Acts chapter 2. Who is this call to repent for? Who is this refreshing for? Peter says this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That means for those of you that don't think that you need it today. For all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. In other words, it's for all. It's for everybody. Everybody say all. 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 Now turn to your neighbor and say, that includes you. Tell them that right now. That includes you. That includes you. If Jesus is the living water, then all of us are kind of at a different place today with how we're filled up or not. And no, I don't have this up here because I'm really thirsty, but all of us are at a different place in our relationship with God. If Jesus is the living water, we're at different places on our journey, and one's not any better than the next. It's just where you're at. Some of you, you're full. Your heart, your soul is full. And you're, that is awesome. And if that's you, praise God today. You're like, I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm worshiping weekly. I'm connecting with God. I'm and if that's you, praise God. Take the lid off and share some with other people. Okay? That's what it means to be a leader. If God has filled you up, it's not so that you can navel gaze and say, wow, look at me. I'm such a holy, godly person. If God has filled you up and poured his spirit into your life, take the lid off and lead something. Take the lid off and invite somebody to church. Take the lid off and start a small group. God has not blessed you for yourself. He's blessed you for the sake of others. Amen? So if that's you, praise God. That's awesome. But some of you are not there. Some of you are like, John, I'm the opposite. I'm empty. Uh, I'm empty. I, I literally, I'm empty. I've got, I've got nothing to give. And the danger with this is that nobody sets out to be empty spiritually. It comes through gradual neglect. Uh, I, I'm just too busy this week. And then it's the next week, and then you look up, and it's six months since you've read your Bible. Oh, we haven't been to church. In a while. You know, we, I, I hear people say this all the time, like, what, what is God showing you? What's new recently? And they say, well, you know, we used to be really connected when the kids were younger, you know, oh, then, you know, or we had kids, and we kind of got off our schedule of worship or being in our small group or reading the Bible, and it's kind of hard. And little by little, that living water, that filling up of the Holy Spirit just goes down, and, and now we're just kind of 
empty. I'll ask people, when was the last time you experienced God in a real way? John, I went on this mission trip. It was amazing. It was seven years ago, but it was amazing, and that was just this spiritual high for me, and I was connected. Seven years ago? John, I used to be in this small group of women. It was awesome. We studied the Bible. We got together. We were all committed every single week, and God was speaking. When was that? We stopped three years ago. Oh, there's a Nicole C. Mullins song that I love, and one of the lyrics in it, I just thought of this right now. She says, how do I know that my Redeemer lives? Because I spoke with him this morning. That's what Jesus wants for you. Not, I used to be connected to Jesus. I used to be filled up. Before we had kids, we used to be more connected. I spoke with him this morning, and that's how I know he's real. I pray that's true for you. How do you get filled back up if you're empty? You go back to the tried and true basics. You worship every single week with your church family. You study God's word every single day. Not for the point of studying the Bible, for the point of encountering Jesus. And you find a group. Don't do Christianity alone. That's how you go from empty to full. Some of you are like, John, that's great, but I'm not, I'm not full or empty. I'm kind of like there. I'm kind of like halfway. And that's great, and that's fine, and we can always use more of the living water. But the problem is, if you're here, is that the water is just kind of calm. It's tranquil. And some of you are like, John, things are really good for me right now in my Christian. They're safe. They're comfortable. And I hate to burst your bubble, but as I read the Gospels, as I read the Bible, nowhere does it say that that is a priority for your life. Nowhere does Jesus say his number one desire for you is to be safe or comfortable in your walk with God. Nowhere. Instead, Jesus says, maybe this morning, if you're taking things a little safe, if you're taking things a little comfortable, he wants to shake things up a little bit. This is actually Sprite. Do you want to open that? I'm just kidding, right? No, it's not, right? Maybe he wants to shake things up a little bit for you. Maybe he wants to shake things up so that things aren't as safe and as comfortable. When's the last time you took a risk for the kingdom of God? When's the last time that you did something in your faith that you were desperate for Jesus for? Because we can invent a version of Christianity that's good and never satisfying. Because you're not living for anything. You're just, oh, I found a church home. I am comfortable. Aren't those chairs comfortable? They're not bad for folding chairs, right? That's not the point, right? That's never been the point. And maybe Jesus wants to come and shake you up and say, maybe the point of church is not to look around and say, feed me, and how can I get my needs met? Maybe when you walk into church every week, The question is, how can I serve? Who can I bless? Maybe God's calling you to look at your spouse and say, I don't feel like it today, but God has called me to love my spouse, and I'm going to pursue them. God has called me to be the spiritual leader in my family, and so I'm going to lead family devotions, and we're going to sit around the table. We're not going to sit in the living room and watch TV. We're going to sit around the table. We're going to look at each other, and we're going to shake things up in our family, and I'm going to lead family devotions. Even if it's for five minutes, we're going to do it together as a family. Maybe God's calling you to shake things up a little bit. The power of his living word. I love this quote by Mike Iaconelli, the late author. He writes this. Maybe some of you this will resonate with. I'm ready for a Christianity that ruins my life, that captures my heart and makes me uncomfortable. I want to be filled with an astonishment that is so captivating that I am considered wild and unpredictable and, well, dangerous. Dangerous to what many see as a dry and boring religion. I'm guessing you not come to Hope Des Moines because you want predictable. I'm guessing you're not here at Hope Des Moines because you want safe. 
I'm guessing you're here because you want to make an impact and you want your life to mean something and you want to have a real experience with the living water, with the ocean of Jesus Christ. I hope that that's why you're here. God wants to stir you up. He wants to shake up the living water inside of you this morning. What does your heart look like if you were one of those three? What does your heart look like this morning? And regardless of where you're at, we can all use more of the living water of Jesus Christ. How do we get it? We get it by jumping in. So back to South Carolina, we're standing there by the ocean. We haven't quite got there yet. I remember the kids, we're all in our clothes. Like we haven't decided, oh, now we're going to go to the ocean, but we're parked there and we're right there. And all the, I think Caleb had his jeans on, you know, like we had shoes on and and jackets because we just come from the airport. And there was a moment when the kids had started taking off for the ocean that Tiffany and I looked at each other and we were like, should we like go chase them down and call them back and like put on your hat and put on your sunscreen and your floaties and everything, you know, like let's have the conversation. And they were just out. And then I think it was Tiffany that just said, John, the water is right there. How can we not just jump? We're from Iowa, right? The water is right there. How can you not just jump in? The water is right there. How can you not just jump in? And that is what Jesus Christ offers all of us in baptism. It's right there available for you today. And that was the overwhelming feeling for a man named Coach Gerald, who's the coach of a, a famous, the famous Woodlawn varsity football team. The film came out a few years ago called Woodlawn, and we'll end here today. But after living empty and living numb to Jesus Christ, For most of his life, it was actually his players, a Caucasian coach in a primarily African-American high school right in the middle of segregation in the South. It was actually his players that reached out to their coach with the love of Jesus Christ, and it changed his life. And at the end of the film, what you're going to see here is Coach Gerald's did what thousands did that day in the book of Acts. He went all in for the living water. Folks, I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of church that doesn't read these stories in the Bible and say, wow, that was cool. That happened a long time ago. I want to be the kind of church that reads the Bible and says, why can't that happen today? Why can't that happen today? Because the same spirit that was moving in Acts chapter 2 is right here, right now. And if you know anything about this movie, I'll tell you, this man had the hardest of hearts and wanted nothing to do with the church and wanted nothing to do with Christianity. Proof that the love of God can change any heart. Let's take a look. You might say that he was cut to the heart. He believed and then he took action. This living water, this life-giving water of baptism is available to you as well. Today is the day. And so in just a moment, I'm going to have the band lead us in a final song, and you are more than welcome to stand and worship. But we're going to close all together as one church family. And if God is stirring in your heart this morning, if you're thinking about that and you're like, I need a fresh start, I need refreshment, I want to experience that same living water, well, today is your day. And it might not be very Lutheran, but it's in the Bible. All right? 
and we're going to do it, and we're going to invite anybody that wants to come up that has either never been baptized or maybe you were baptized long ago and you want to affirm your baptism. Today is the day. And notice I said affirm, not redo, right? Because God doesn't mess up, amen? It took, right? Whenever you were baptized, it happened. It worked. It worked. But sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that. Sometimes we needed to get refreshed. Sometimes we need to get stirred up. Sometimes we need to get filled up with the living water. And so that's what we're going to do. You can just come on up just as you are. I won't even make you wear a white dress. You can just come. It's come as you are here at Hope, okay? And you can just come as you are. Nobody's going to touch your mouth, right? We're doing scoop and pour today. It's Iowa after all. It's cold, okay? But I want to invite you to come on up and experience. It's not magic. It's not weird. Baptism is the most normal thing for somebody to do that wants more of Jesus in their life. Whether it's for the first time or you've been baptized before. If you have kids and hope kids or nursery, don't worry. They know. They're aware of this. Your kids are just fine. If you rode the bus today, they'll wait. You're not going to miss the bus. This is why we exist as a church. Everything that we do is so that you can experience Jesus Christ. This is it. And so if you're here and, and if you don't feel like coming up, I pray that you would stay and that you would cheer on your brothers. I mean, move to the front. Come on up and let's have a party and let's celebrate people coming home to Jesus. Let's celebrate. Come, put your arm around somebody. Cheer for them. Pray for them. Encourage them. Give them a high five. This is why we do what we do. This is why we exist as a church. What is baptism? In a nutshell. It's a way of saying, I want to be connected to the life of Jesus Christ. If this is you, and you are in Jesus Christ, because Jesus died on that cross and rose again, you can go through the waters and die to your old self, to your last year, to your last month, to your past, to your mistakes, and you can rise again with Jesus. If you've been united in a death like his, you are united in a resurrection like his. This isn't games. This isn't going through the motions. This is, a, this is the real deal, folks. We're not playing church here. You can encounter the living water of Jesus Christ right now, right here. And it's available for everybody, and it's free, and it's for you. The water is right here. Why would we not just jump in? Amen? So let's stand and sing, and if you feel led, come on up. We'll be here.